Hello and welcome to the Barcast. I'm your host, Nick Barr, and this is episode 10. Double digits, baby. We made it. Um, today's a very special episode. We're going to be calling my buddy Bruno. Um, so without further delay, let's get him on the phone. Just going to uh, try a hangout and see how this goes. Bruno. Hello. Hey, man. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hear you great. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You're a little tinny. I'm going to turn the volume down just a couple decibels. That should be good. How's it going, man? Good. Just uh, hanging out in my new office, office room. Uh, it's me and the Roomba in here, so got company. Is the Roomba working or is the Roomba asleep? <laughs> it's asleep. <laughs> Long, long day. Did he? Did he like have a long day work? Did he have a? Did he have a lot of work? Yeah, today. I mean, is he like exhausted from all the work he did? I think I haven't turned him on in like three weeks. <laughs> Super pumped. <laughs> um, ready to have. Ready to do what he was born to do. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate you coming on the cast. Sweet. I'm happy to be here. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a good time. So I have two big topics that I want to talk to you about. Um, the first is uh, a f- an extended discussion of meaningness, which I sent you uh, mm-hmm. a link to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the other is Rio. Uh, we should tell the folks at home that you are a Rio resident. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're you're also a Carioca like by by birth, right? Yeah, my family is kind of from here, but they. They left, like the generations that I've met, I left pretty early. So it's more of like a, maybe it's in my they, mitochondrial DNA comes yeah. out. Yeah, did you feel any, stages. did you feel any kind of like homecoming when you moved there? I think so. I think I either felt it or I or I made myself feel it like, oh yeah, I was born to, to come back and finally <laughs> returning to, to my roots, to where I came from. But, uh, but not in the first, like, Six months, so maybe not. <laughs> but at some point, it starts feeling like home, and then you can just rewrite the past and say, "Yeah, that's because I was from." Right, and you made the move from Sao Paulo. Maybe it was like kind of echoes of your forefathers. You know, I mean, when they first settled in Rio, it wasn't home for them either, and they had to like sort of create like a a home for their family, and you know, put a stake in the ground. And, mm-hmm. and you've done the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're doomed to 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 relive the history of our of our ancestors <laughs> over and over again. Uh, the thing is, I would always come here when like for fun, right? Right. So it's one of those strange strange moves where uh, maybe the old people go through that, like move to my to Florida, like oh, it's gonna be great, and then they get there and it's like really hot and sticky, and, <laughs> uh, the traffic and uh, the four hundred five. You know, I right. went through some of that. Like when you move to the four hundred five in Miami. I don't know. I said, you know, I think that's. That's an LA thing. Yeah, I, I understand. The point is, <laughs> points well understood. <laughs> Miami, um, I can Google Miami. No, you don't. But, you don't have, I think, you don't have to Google. I, I think eight two six. I uh, I would always come here for fun, and so I had that experience where right. it's just it's it's a it's a it's a difficult city to live in logistically. Like it, it has very little room to live in because you know half of it. If you, if you pick a point and draw like a radius around it, half of that is going to be the ocean, right? So you yeah. automatically have like just half. Right. And then, but then two 
thirds of the other part of the circle is mountains where you can't live, right? Right. So it's like you're playing civilization and your starting point is like ocean with mountains and you have like one little hexagon to, to do anything in. You played SimCity, but right? I played a lot of SimCity, but that seems to imply like I didn't play Civilization. I played a lot more Civilization well, than, so I, than I, I played SimCity. I didn't play any Civilization, so maybe it's a better um, <laughs> analog. But like uh, I remember you know, in SimCity, there's a, sort of a map creator and you can spend mm-hmm. hours creating a map in there. And I don't know if it's a game design flaw, but my memory is I would always just make it sort of as flat as possible because I just wanted to maximize like the population. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was never incentivized to create these sort of like dramatic South American scapes of like yeah. mountains and no, valleys no, no, no. I mean, and all that stuff. In terms of like prosperity of your sims, the less, the flatter, the better, right? And you'd, you'd have some like water for like trade or whatever. But I think part of the challenge was to like click randomize or click like Pangea or right. continents and it would have these pre-generated maps and you kind of had to work work around it. But yeah, yeah, if you wanted to make like a huge fertile <laughs> plain, fertile, uh, you know, Mesopotamian Valley for yourself and just, you know, it, the game was pretty hard. So I wouldn't blame anybody for... It was for, hard. For, it was hard. And that's why I yeah. sort of wonder from a game design question, it's like you're just so disincentivized from making yeah. an interesting world. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess there were super users who were like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, those like desert guys. But my, my whole thing was, I think I I I don't want to embarrass myself, but with the timeline. But when it came, first came out, and I hope this is, I was very young. I don't think I understood like the concept of debt yet very well, or or at all. So there was just a button that was like, you know, go to the bank and take out a loan, and it would just create like five, ten thousand, ten million simoleons, and and life was great in in Bernopolis until you know we had like a budget crisis and we can pay back our billions of simoleons in debt. I have a similar memory. I feel like if there's two things I learned from SimCity, it was one was just like, don't take loans out. Like I don't remember loans ever working. Like I think they were just so punitive that I feel like they they made it for the exact reason to tell you like never take a loan out from the bank. Well, we never, well, I never put it, you need to like, now that I think about it, like, right. Like, uh, I was not putting investing in anything that generated any more simoleons. So by definition, if my sure. income was like ten and I take out a loan, I'm going to need eleven or whatever. Sure. And I was just building like amusement parks and these like deficit, things. <laughs> you know, like the the biggest park in the world. And yeah, so I mean, maybe I, I, my, maybe there is a way to use it right, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. It seemed it seemed like it was a beast. It was uh, our our friend Alfonso. He was like the master at these games he's ridiculous we'll have to ask like sometimes he'll, we'll have to ask yeah. him if he took loans out i bet you he didn't yeah he, yeah he, no i'm sure he didn't he would just he would just rock it like he'll just send sometimes he'll send me screenshots of like a, <laughs> he'll just send me a screenshot of like a, a world war ii sim game it just says like africa 1945 and it's just like the entire continent is just like whatever color he's playing <laughs> and, it, and like he doesn't do the tutorial he doesn't do anything he just right. i don't know so we'll have him on and uh um, yeah, we'll have them on. Uh, so closing, closing the loop on SimCity. Yeah, the, the, so one was don't take uh, loans out from the bank. And then the other, of course, was always invest 100% in infrastructure. Um, remember how angry that guy would get if you like brought it down to 90-something? <laughs> and, I, I, and I think not only did I not do it because he was angry, but I think he was also right because like a road would fall apart and then there'd be crazy traffic. Uh, and, and I think that's actually a good segue into talking about Rio a little bit, um, yeah. 
because the Olympics are coming up. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do was very, very briefly talk about my perspective, um, just following the news and stuff here in the U.S., and then yeah. really like spend most of the time talking about your perspective, both as you know an attendee and a Rio uh, native mm-hmm. or resident and uh, kind of what, what the narrative is going on in Brazil. So to start, like, I'm fascinated by this just because it sort of seems like the media has come to a, a realization or decision that the way to talk about the Olympics is that they are a clusterfuck. And, like, right. it's just, like, unanimous shitting on the Rio Olympics. Um, it, every post is about how sick the swimmers are going to get or like dead fish coming out or Zika or yeah. um, violence. Uh, like there's, there's nothing good that I saw one article, which was basically like one of the U S Olympic people, like they're there now. And they're like, the post was like Olympian begs the United States to like stop being so negative and start like cheering on their <laughs> athletes. So like the closest we've gotten is just like athletes sort of requesting that we start to be positive. I just thought it was really interesting. Cause it's like, I, I don't yeah. know what happened. Maybe it's like link bait or they, they're just thinking purely yeah, so through, my, through my question is, Yeah, my question is a couple of things, at least before I talk about, you know, what's on the ground. But like, are you reading, like, are you just opening up, you know, the, the morning paper with your coffee and like <laughs> just a random sample of articles, you know, and then it's all bad? Or are you doing like a pre-upvoted Reddit thing where like, you know, oh, all the articles are bad, but it's just like these like, Reddit teenagers like just upvoting like you know Zika death right, right poop water shit water Zika and then if it's like athlete has great time I'm not an apologist for the Olympics sure. but there are articles out there that are like you know this you know the equestrian uh, ramp has been completed in time and will be ready and healthy for all the horses to live in and compete <laughs> you know or whatever right that that is happening in some of the you know. Because the local news is a little bit more fair. Well, it's it's, um, a, it's a great question, um, and without going too deep into like how I consume the news, pretty much it's it's through <laughs> Twitter, um, whatever right. Twitter links to. Um, okay. And of course, you know it's my Twitter feeds so with a lot of tech people. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not like I'm not. What was that? I, I don't know. It's like a Leviathan from the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> close, close, cluster field, cover field, <laughs> cover field two Olympics. Um, <laughs> how funny would that be? That would be like our podcast would go so viral. <laughs> Self fulfilling prophecy. Podcast interrupted yeah. when real resident <laughs> swallowed alive by That's... botched stadium <laughs> construction. <laughs> Mixture of Zika and poop water creates genetically modified uh, Um, sailboat. So uh, one thing I just did is I just Googled Rio Olympics and then I clicked the news tab. Um, You know, Rio's Olympic woes sour IOC on developing world. Rio, uh, that's Wall Street Journal. Anti-doping needs overhaul, BBC Sport. Uh, So I guess these are a little bit more meta. Russia, um, additional security measures announced. That's USA Today. Rio Olympics, don't put your head underwater. That's stuff.co.nz. Um, Rio Olympics security firm fired, maligned police force takes over. That's Yahoo Sports. Um, so, I mean, I would say uh, I, I would say that my perception of Rio's Olympics news coverage being like 100% negative is, is almost true. Like, 
I'm sure there is positive stuff that I could find, but like, it's not that I live in like a Reddit filter bubble or anything like that. I just think like the vast majority of news that's being created here in the States is about how much of a cluster Rubio is both from you know, infrastructure and from corruption yeah. and from violence and from, uh, disease and pollution. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think the narrative, so, you know, talk about the news cycle and then, and then maybe a little bit about the actual, the actual works, right? I think the narrative here has been, it's going to be a disaster for so long, like right. way before it ever hit any kind of news in, in the U S or globally. That now that stuff doesn't get as much like play or doesn't probably doesn't go as far as in terms of views or clicks. Um, so it, it's a little bit more, Mixed, right? Like we have, uh, so from reading the news, what, what do I see? Maybe like one quarter, you know, three-eyed fish show up sure. in the swimming pool due to you know, lack of uh, whatever, cleanliness, things like that that you're seeing. Um, but a good part of it is like uh, army called in to reinforce security levels in Olympic planning, things right. like that, right? right? A lot more to do Information. with, uh, sorry? Informational kind of like. Yeah, or like, but things that are pretty negative, but, you know, it's, I think the, 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 the global part is very focused on like the infrastructure and the, the health, like a health out, health crisis, yep. something like that, the athletes yep. are all going to get sick. You know, that is rarely talked about here. Mm. It's weird. I mean, Either we have different standards for like what the water needs to be, or it's not as bad as as the as the media is saying. Yeah. Um, well, those are the only two options. <laughs> so, uh, so that part is just doesn't doesn't get doesn't get a lot of attention. It's a lot more of the is it going to be safe? Is it going to be organized? Like mm-hmm. uh, the athletes and the tourists going to be able to get from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Like I don't see that at all in the in the Wall Street Journal. Like I see like right late late stadiums and things like that which honestly should be fine i mean it's some of them are not gonna maybe look great inside but from what i'm reading it seems like all the events will be able to like happen right um yeah that's that's a good point it's such like an insider question which is like how are people going to get around right like that's something yeah, that it's super, like only yeah. the people who know how hard it is to get around in your local city like think about that everyone yeah. else just sort of assumes like yeah i'll just go from point A to point B, even like well, there's yeah. there a tournament the other day, not the, well, not the other day, but uh, maybe it was Copa America. It was hosted in the United States, and mm-hmm. like people, like people didn't even think about the United States being a big country and like being played all over the like. It's just sort of like yeah, it's in the United States, and so your mental model of that is just sort of like uh, yeah, it's all it's all here. Yeah. Even, so even the Rio Olympics, I would imagine, like there's all sorts of Rio's a big city. Um, yeah, it's gonna be that part is gonna be like. Uh, I imagine headlines like, you know, fans, uh, you know, board train to rugby game, right. train breaks down, or like whatever, train doesn't go to the right place, fans right. left stranded. French hammer you know, throw uh, team stranded on highway, <laughs> unable to compete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Demands re, re, <laughs> re-game, replay. <laughs> uh, and, and so that, that's a lot, a lot of stuff like that, because they spread it out to kind of, you know, whatever you call it, like 
give it give an opportunity for everybody to go and not just put it in like the nice neighborhoods. Right. So they, they spread out the ven- the venues, right? So they built some in like some neighborhoods that are pretty far away from what where tourists tend to stay and hang out, like Panema, whatever. So places where I where you tell me, oh, this event is going to be there, and I'm like, wow, how would I get there without a car? Right. I have no clue. Um, and I live here. Imagine like on a through five Australian guys. Like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> it's it's I don't know what's going to happen. I think they might. There's going to be a lot of Uber, uh, and people are going to Uber at everywhere, mm-hmm. and it might be a huge success. But I don't think that public transportation it's it's good. But it's the the, the subway here is actually very high quality. Really, uh, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's really really it's pretty new. Uh, super well organized and, and really nice experience, but it doesn't really go anywhere. There's like two lines: right. one goes north and south, one goes east and west. <laughs> you know, it's all the other directions uh, are like are abandoned. And then they built like kind of a above ground rail, which is also really nice, but also doesn't really go anywhere. So that part, the logistics part, I think is clear. The other part is security. So mm-hmm. they're bringing in basically like the national guard and the army to to support the, the local police and the private companies that were contracted it's they're just clearly seeing it's a much bigger uh, job than, than they anticipated so the president actually like issued an executive the president you know Brazil issued an executive order saying you know, send X thousand troops to Rio yeah to secure the Olympics so that's always in the news so, so and another thing which, oh, which I see in the sorry go ahead no go ahead with the third thing is like uh, you know um, terror attacks. Right. Terrorism. I don't know if that how much that shows up on your side, but it, here it's like we in the U.S. We think we're the only ones who could be yeah. the victim of a terrorist attack. I don't know. At least I in the Western like, Hemisphere, we like we're kind of we feel like we're unique. So, but that's a that's a concern in Brazil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Like here, we we've arrested like we arrested this, these like supposed supposed you know sleeper cell. Hmm. Uh, ten guys around Brazil, and then they they published the transcripts, like our our FBI, and the guys were like, "Yeah, we need to learn some martial arts. Uh, where do we where do we buy some guns? Maybe my cousin has." Some. So you know, these were not yeah. the the sleeper style that, that that really had been advertised, but yeah. you know, they had been you know they had been converted or whatever you want to call it. They had that's interesting. That didn't yeah that didn't know, make it had, that didn't make it to me anyway. Yeah. So now that's a huge thing, at least here. Uh, and I think what, if, if I go on Google and I put some those keywords, just like some of the British tabloids are like, uh, Jihad announced uh, for the Olympics. So that's, maybe they're more focused on it, I don't know. Um, about violence, uh, not, not of the terrorist variety, but sort of of like the gang, you know, mm-hmm. petty criminal. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. I've always had this, perception of Rio and maybe it's wrong to tell me like that somehow criminals uh, are kind of good about only attacking and robbing other Brazilians and that there's sort of a a general understanding in the state that like leave tourists alone. True or false? I think it's super false. I think if anything, it's like the opposite. Hmm. Like, Maybe, maybe you. I think you maybe integrate better than like the typical tourist, tourist like uh, couple. I'm trying to think of what what, move, what animated movie this is, but just two like kind of people in like flower shirts with a huge camera and like a straw hat. Sco- I think Scooby those Doo? people are sorry. The Scooby Doo team. 
Yeah, something like that. Uh, or the people in, in Wally that just ride around in scooters and drink soda. Right. Uh, those guys show up and they get super robbed. I see. Uh, you know, like a tornado of young, you know, uh, ruffians comes up and just takes all their stuff. Uh, and then I think, yeah, there's Brazilians getting robbed all the time too. But I think the f- tourists are definitely a, a bigger target. So I guess I guess a million dollar question then, and then we'll turn to meaningness. Is um, well, it's two questions. One, it one is your perspective, and two is how would you evaluate the perspective of your countrymen? Um, zero being like a clusterfuck to ten being like an unprecedented success. Where do people? How do people think the Olympics are going to pan out? Uh, it's like a hopeful four mm. pessimistic just like wait and see right it was a I read a cool essay by this guy he was saying like it's like the world cup gave us false hopes that maybe we could do something something like the olympics but then he kind of broke it down like why it's not a good analogy like the world cup is spread across several cities right, right? so the logistic challenges on the bigger scale it may be difficult to get everybody moving move everybody around but for the city, it's not a, that big of a challenge. Second, it's like a sport and an event that we're very used to handling. It's like a soccer game. Okay, right. everybody's going to show up and go over there, etc. The players are going to come down. There's coaches and whatever. With the Olympics, it's a whole other beast, right? It's several dozen sports. Right. Uh, each delegation has dozens or hundreds of people. Each athlete in each sport requires like this very specific infrastructure and very specific, you know, uh, sequence of events to go well. Right. Um, and it's all in one city. So when I read that, I felt that's a really good point and I've got a little bit more. Yeah. So yeah, maybe a four is what people see. Uh, I, it's really hard. I would say five just because it's like when you don't know something, it's 50, 50. Sure. Uh, I don't, I, it's so hard for me to predict. I mean, it could be, could be great. If everybody, you know, if people are prepared, they take their precautions, you know, precautions don't, you know, don't walk around randomly, just go where you have to go, come back. Um, if, you know, and I think the, all the health and water stuff is going to be fine. I mean, so it, I don't think. I would say here in the States, it's a two. Um, yeah, but what are they, and, what are and, they worried about? And is what's, it like what's amazing the athletes is... athletes are going to be so sick they can't compete? Or like <laughs> exactly, exactly. The, the logistics that they don't know about are going to fail? That's not it either, well, right? So well, I don't know what... Th- what's so funny is we're we're really pessimistic about it and we're not even thinking about the two areas that you just mentioned that are probably the most legitimate. One is like infrastructure and logistics. And then two is like, is this going to bankrupt the country after, right? I mean, the Olympics have proved themselves at ruining country economies. Um, for all the reasons that you said, like you're, you're like creating stadiums for sports that are never played in your country. Um, so, uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not educated enough on this. Is it do Olympics? Have they had like, Countrywide effects, like oh, the budget is yeah, broken. So Greece, Greece, uh, you read the post more Greece. about. Well, I know I know Greece has its own problems, but there, yeah, it, it's worth reading. Um, and I read some article about it. Like the Olympics, really, yeah. like screwed with Greece. But of course, Greeks, I'm sure, like I'm not gonna be a anti-Greek person, but like I'm sure that you know they shot themselves in the foot. Um, yeah, I think they have other problems, and but, we have other problems too. I just yeah. think that like. 
But putting putting all that aside, like that's not that's not even part of the conversation here. We think it's going to be a failure because people are going to get super sick and bring Zika back. Um, right. And we didn't talk about Zika. We went through a whole why it's going to be a disaster. We didn't talk about things. No, I, like, mentioned, I mentioned Zika. Was, yeah, you brought it up, but we never like dug into it. Right? Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, here Zika is like uh, we're terrified of it, and I, I think it started to come to Miami or something like that, and so people yeah. are like freaking I think out. You had the two on two the two first like on non-sexual transmission yeah. cases. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't care less about Zika. I've never cared about that stuff. You know, I had swine flu. Like, I just don't. Interestingly, like, yeah. whenever they have a name, they're actually less terrible to have than the whole, than, like, the regular flu. Um, but, uh, no, I guess I understand Zika can can cause, like, issues or something. Yeah. I think, so one thing that's, that's also, I haven't read in the foreign press is that it's winter here, right? I right. think the mosquito is, like, very sensitive to those kinds of things, like average temperature and stuff. So right. it's it's less active now. Yeah. And and I don't know. I don't know. Also, don't know enough about. It. It's just like wear wear uh, sunscreen. And, oh no, what's it called? Wear uh, mosquito Bug spray. spray. Uh, hard for me to say something that this is a disaster when I like live in the place where this, that disaster is. Right. Not, not the Olympics, but just. The Zika thing is not an Olympic thing. It's like a Brazil thing. Right. right. So it's, I mean, it's, maybe it's creating a generation of like bird defects, but we don't know yet. Right. Only, uh, only time will tell. I, I mean, maybe it, it is. I mean, the, the worst, the worst thing I saw on like on Reddit and stuff is that like there, there's a game that I played that's like um, contagion or con, conflation or whatever where you're like a virus mm-hmm. and you're trying to spread yourself around the world and you start in like uh you know you start in belt you know whatever you start in vietnam as like the outbreak and then as people travel around the world it's like oh first case in california right and you're like nice <laughs> and then one of the yeah one of the big one of the things that most spreads you is like olympics like olympics announced <laughs> in in dubai and you're like 100 points yeah that's amazing the, what's the name of this game <laughs> Uh, oh man! I'll put it. I'll put it in the show notes uh, later. So don't don't worry about it now. We'll we'll we'll. Put yeah, it yeah. I'm gonna look it up and I'll, and I'll and I'll share it. But it's like, yeah, you're basically like trying to take over the world as a virus. And then obviously everyone is saying like, oh, this is, you know, this is just like when you start the game and you get finally get in the Olympics in a big city, in a, in a city, a tropical city. But yeah, like I said, yeah, it's a five. I don't know. Um. Well, best of luck. Uh, I hope the Olympics are great. I hope you enjoy them, and I hope uh, they're. We should, we should definitely do a debrief, and yeah. then be like, "Oh, remember all those? Yeah, we'll have to. Those four. <laughs> we little did we know there was bucket number five, <laughs> disaster X that actually destroyed everything. <laughs> um, so let's talk about meaningness. And so uh, this was something I talked about. Uh, in a previous episode, but if you haven't heard it, um, I'll just give like a really, really broad overview, which is um, this guy, Robert Keegan, um, has sort of a theory of adult cognitive development that, um, in fact, you know, there are stages of development that continue into adulthood. Um, Stage three is sort of a communal stage. Um, you do things for the good of the family or for the good of the religion. Um, stage four is 
sort of a rationalist stage. Um, you, you know, you believe science and sort of think of science as almost your faith. Um, you believe in one true system. Um, stage five is uh, sort of this rarefied air that only 5% of humanity gets to, which is like fluid. So this is using uh, Chapman's words like fluid, patterny thinking. Um, so, I mean, check it out, but uh, you've now read some of his posts um, and had sort of a chance to absorb it. So I have, I have two questions for you. Um, one is, uh, do you believe in this kind of stagey type framework? Um, and the second question, which I actually want to start with is what stage do you think you are? Yeah. So, uh, you, I'd so say even I'm, if you, even if you don't believe in the stages, like suspending that for a second, what stage would you say you are? Okay. okay. So I would, okay. So I think, I think I'm like a solid five. Mm-hmm. Good stage fiver. Been here for a while. Uh, it's been a tough, tough path, but but I made it. Um, but it's but so I have a whole critique of this, right? I know I know you have a critique um, of it, but I want to I want to start with just the pure. Okay. What what stage do you think I am? I think you're a five too. Okay. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure what stage I think you are. I, I don't think you're a not, five. Apparently, apparently I, not five. I don't think you're a five. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, so we can have sub-stages, right? You don't have, it's not like a four or a five. I think you are, so I mean, 4.5 is the sort of the nihilistic abyss. So you've leapt that, You I mean, you went there and then you came out the other side. Is that what you're saying? I've been, yeah, I've definitely been there. Uh, and you spend, and I can relate to the whole, you know, the whole uh, arc that he describes. So I either been through it or I've been through some farce of it and I'm still like in the three, but I've had similar experiences. <laughs> that's what I, right. that's what's difficult to, to land. But, but I mean, it, the whole thing makes sense and I can definitely plot my thinking along the stages. Okay. But of course, yeah, I could, I could be, I could be completely wrong. All right, I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe you. I think I, you've, you've sold me. I think you're stage well, five. I, I think I what am. Was your, what was your instinct about me though? Because it wasn't five. It was like maybe three or four or a two. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. So, I don't know if you've had like true like despair. I, of course, you've had like bleak moments in your life, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you sort of had ever genuinely hit like there is no meaning to life because it's like nihilistic uh pure nihilism yeah because because as as long as i've known you you've always sort of been on a quest for meaning and so like um i i just sort of assumed you were still somewhere on that quest um but it sort of sounds like you've you at some point gave up on that quest and then at some other point you renewed it with uh, again like neither of us are going to be able to do this justice because i don't think either of us believe in the stages exactly but you kind of went yeah. through the whole thing for what it's worth i don't think i'm stage five either i think i'm i think i'm like a 4.6 like right maybe but, so that's the answer just that peeking I kind of thought of it, that when i was reading it this morning but it's like can't you just like place yourself there as like i've read and thought about you know uh whatever like social science and Things like that, and so I'm a four point seven. 
Like that just sounds like everybody who has, like who who has thought a little bit about existence. Yeah, like, right. I don't know. Uh, well, I think I think that's the thing. It's like you have to tease out what you know uh, versus like how you are, right? It's sort of like know that versus okay. know how thinking. Like, yeah, um, you know. I know that someone climbed Everest, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not ready to climb Everest. And so like intellectually and even emotionally, I think I've been through all of the stages, but if I look at like how I live, um, I think I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm a functioning adult, right? And so I can't be in 4.5. Um, but I don't, I don't look at my life and say like, oh, this is, it's, but that's it's what I'm saying. That's mm. what I'm saying though. Like, you know, four is like, you know, like a, some kind of imagine like a you know diehard uh, you know system X person right? right and it's we're not fours right definitely not four uh, right so three is is a kind of like a ridiculous thing no one is you know few, sorry to all the threes but it's it's uh, someone who hasn't put much thought to things like you're just a slave to others emotions and and, and to to authority and parents or whatever. Um, and then two is, is just like yeah, a, a child. Right, whatever. So then what are we left with? Like 4.5 and, and five. Mm-hmm. But then we, we think, well, 4.5 is a non-functioning stage. It's a complete breakdown. Well, I think, of, I think uh, many people would be at a four. Right? And then you're like, well, no, I'm not a five either because, but then it's like, ah, if I'm the stages, I'm a 4.6, like a nihil, like a right. recovering nihilist with an optimist point of view <laughs> that some meaning can be found even if it's subjective. I don't know. Then it becomes this like, Let's use the stages. You're a five. I'm a five. That's the stage above four point five, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then it's like, well, is it the true five? But come on. So when you were it's when you were, when you're going through and thinking about what stage you're at, and you know, I I wanted to to do this exercise not just because it's like interesting to talk about what stage, right? But also because like one of my critiques of the stage model is because like I would imagine that all you can think about is what stage you're at, right? And so like. Yeah. For me, that's why the stage theory is like not just inaccurate, it's like broken because it's such a – it's actually like a stage – to me, it's like a stage four or even a stage three framework. It's like some <laughs> people are stage five and other people are stage four. And yeah. it's like as soon as you create this yeah. pyramid of people, yeah. uh, like it doesn't <laughs> seem or, like – It's like you know, then you're like – then you go into like, yeah, I'm a stage four. I firmly believe in meaningness.com. <laughs> <laughs> Right. All, all the stages and that's the one true system for me right but yeah I mean but, but maybe because we primed ourselves to like oh right, what stage are you at oh yeah I don't know I had I thought about it uh, and then I thought of and put it aside like yeah maybe a 4.5 what whatever. what uh, what touch I, points I read a lot more right yeah. so then so and as I dug into all the stages and the different it's cool to click on the definitions mm-hmm. uh, makes things a little clearer um in the meaningness.com. Uh, and as I read it, it became much like a much better experience than, yeah. than just reading. There's these five stages Absolutely. where you're heading towards collapse. Cause I can't move from four to five. I had the, I had the same experience. He, he has one essay called how to think real good that I thought was really excellent. And also that particular mm-hmm. essay was like way more personal about his experience in academia. Um, and also <laughs> narrowed kind of the scope of, rationalism and meta and post and all this stuff to like actually Bayesian, like his mathematics colleagues and people who like 
have frameworks for how everything works that are like Bayesian. And so like it was, he was so much more in his element and I was like, Oh, okay. Now I really can understand where you're coming from. Um, but I'm curious to know like what touch points did you use? So you're, you're doing some introspection, you're reading about all the stages. What, what touch points in your life did you use to sort of figure out where you belonged and like how you had evolved? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think, so stage three was probably like pre-college or college where I was, or where I thought. Hey, do you have some hissing on your end? Sorry? Do you have any hissing on your end? There's like a little. Uh, Yeah, let me, let me figure this out. What about now? Yeah, it's better. Thanks. Okay. Um, because three. even if you know, very you know, very worried about the group and the others and the and the perception and and that consumed you know any most thoughts about you know what what I wanted or what what existing was about. Right. Um, and then when I did have some kind, and then you're always kind of in a transition, right? Like you, something's driving you, but you have you know the seed for the next stage is in development, right? Right. So I had this very like moralistic or uh, not not moralistic, but very journalistic as as you know, as he puts it, worldview. Where like there is a right, mm-hmm. there it is X. You know that's and that's a very three um, E way of seeing things. Maybe right, you know, because you look for uh, you know you take your cues from authority. So that you know one of them is. Other people, the other is some eternal uh, correctness, right? Nothing is relative. Right. And so I looked for that for a while. Um, and then I read it a, lot of, a lot of books. And then at some point you read enough books that that you've entered, I don't know, some kind of stage four. Like you find your, what system you think is the right one. Yeah, um, but I think post college, it's a little hard to place. Like, it's really hard to track your own, you know, development of of this point of view because it's it doesn't have many milestones, right? Like, right. Uh, that af- Saturday afternoon under the tree where I That's slammed right. shut <laughs> the <laughs> the dialogues yeah. and said. Eureka, yeah. stage four. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely on shaky ground because if you compare it to Piaget's like child development, they're so binary. Like it'll, and I mean, that's just how kids' brains work. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Thursday they can't solve this problem, and Friday they can't. You know, like right. it's real. And so I think, I think you do see evidence that the stage model is wrong just, just by how it's described. Like. You and yeah. I, you and I haven't even really. I mean, we've tried. And we're, I think we're on the same page, but like, I don't think either of us does a perfectly great job of describing stage five. And I would imagine, if someone listened to this podcast and wasn't familiar with it, they'd be like, "What are they talking about?" And then they would read meaningness, yeah. and they would they would also be like, "What are they talking about?" Like right. it's but, so. Mm. So my so finish your point. Sorry. Uh, no, that, just that that like I think you can sense problems with the model simply by reading the prose that describes it. Right. No, but so okay. Well, here's my here's my kind of a more structured thing. Uh, I really had fun reading this thing, or whatever percentage I've read of the whole thing. Probably one percent, given that it's like a freaking 
uh, labyrinth. Yeah. But, and I really like stage five. Uh, I think reading about stage five is really insightful. Um, all the other transitions and things like that mm. is very interesting. And then placing myself in the stage is fun and then thinking where I am is fun. But, but I think the most insight for me is just understanding stage five. So I really like, for example, that some of the definition pages, like you click on nebulosity. But I mean, uh, God, like that word nebulosity, doesn't that for, that doesn't just like for you, like bankrupt the whole thing. Like I just see the word nebulosity and I'm like, oh, cool. Like see a, see a theory. Don't care. (laughs) Well, that's why I clicked on it. Because in your first podcast, uh, you just, you would say nebulosity just with this like venomous, (laughs) you know, tone, very similar to the way you're saying it now. And then, so it drew me to it, and I was like, uh, "Let me, let me uh, understand what this is." And yeah. I was a little primed to like it because I was like, "Nick hates it, so right. maybe there's got to be something there that I can like redeem right. and then get back to him and be like, hey, man, you missed this point.'" Uh, and I think that is true because so he goes, he, he says like this, right? What I, here's how what my moment today, like in the taxi, where I was like, had a good insight reading this thing. You know, life has meaning. Yeah. Right. Or meaning has the attributes of meaningness, which make me make meaning what it is. Right. That hopefully makes sense. Like meaningness are different pillars of meaning. God, you really you really so, read this thing? Okay. I, you're I really, like, yeah. so maybe I'm worried. You're like already talking his language. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, meaningness. Okay, I'm I'll, I'm with you. Like, sure. <laughs> Meaning this is meaning. Well, we're reading the, are we reading this thing? If we are, then we gotta talk. We gotta. Or else, you know, <laughs> I thought I thought we were just gonna shit on it for a couple of minutes. I didn't realize we we're gonna. <laughs> no, okay. So uh, no, I'm I'm all ears. I'm I'm open minded and open hearted to what you're saying. So I didn't know I didn't know we we're gonna try to <laughs> become meaningists. And, uh, no, okay. So so meaningless. My understanding is you know uh, the the qualities of meaning. Mm-hmm. What, what is meaning, right? Cool. One of them is that, you know, life can have meaning, but it doesn't have like a specific meaning. And something can be meaningful without having one meaning. There you are know, many meanings. Right, meaning. meaning. <laughs> there are many meanings. Uh, like he compares it to like music, right? Right. You can listen to a whole song and then you're like, oh, that was a really meaningful piece. And then you're like, what meaning did it have? And, and what parts of it? had meaning was it note you know the eighth sure. whatever bar of whatever no it wasn't that what did it mean i don't know but it was definitely meaningful and then different people can have different meanings so that analogy made a little bit of sense um maybe it's too vague but what i liked about nebulosity is that you know you can say there is a cloud nebulosity you know, is similar to cloud the cloud is there no one's going to disappear no one's going to disagree with you sorry right um but okay where where does the cloud begin and end? Where is it? Measure it, the cloud. I don't know because it's kind of flowing over here sure, and sure. it's kind of tufty over there. Um, and then in five minutes, it looks like something else. Yeah. Uh, you don't know. You can't. It's hard to separate one cloud from another. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Uh, and you can't even say how many clouds there are in the sky, right? Different people will count different yeah. clouds in different ways. Um, so for me, that was pretty insightful, like comparing it to, to meaning you could say something similar, right? Uh, you can see heavy, deep meaning in life, but it doesn't mean that it's like a, a specific 
rational outcome. It's, it can be several different things depending yeah. on the, the outlook or the situation. That's where it kind of maybe becomes very vague and breaks down. But no, it's trying not, to, it's, for me, it's not. It's not that it's it's vague. Uh, and I, so I have a couple of thoughts. Like one is, I certainly don't want to discount its validity because you know the writing is valid insofar as it helps people make realizations and like resonates with them, right? Like, a, so even if it doesn't necessarily resonate with me, um, that doesn't mean anything about it objectively. I guess. Just some of the themes. Uh, so there are two things I want to talk about. One is sort of primary sources versus secondary sources. He's he reminds me a little bit of like what's that guy's name? Nicholas Taleb Kwali Taleb. Nassim Taleb. Nas, is it Nassim Taleb? I thought it was Nicholas. It's it's Nassim. It's Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Taleb. But I think he goes by like. Or yeah, but it's Nassim. Yeah. Um. He's another guy. Nassim. Nassim. Awesome. Uh, who who I know you've you had a book in your trunk that I was reading for a while, uh, and it's like if anyone can make insights through these people, then God bless them. But like I would just rather read the primary sources. And so like I, I think one of the problems is like philosophically this is like an immature area, but like we're talking about like phenomenology and like epistemology yeah. and like areas that like many people have spent lifetimes working on and toward. And like, I guess my yeah. my preference of yeah, developing big, developing opinions uh, is just maybe this is like offensive, and, and maybe you'll you you'll hate it. But I'm not a big primary primarist primar primarophile. Right. You know? and, uh, and I don't I don't think you need sorry. to be. I don't think you need to be. But like, I guess one of the reasons I hate nebulosity so much is like if you're going to be an interpreter of primary sources, then you better like damn well not make me learn new terminology like the value of these interpreters is that they can speak in common folk language um and so i think, yeah. I think that was one of my resistances was like it, you know you might as well be reading heidegger again because it's like okay guess what we're gonna talk about being but being doesn't mean what you think it means like we've gotta like it's it's, it. it's this whole overhead um that in some cases is worth undertaking but you feel like but, you know you Put it, you've put in the work and now you feel like cheated by this other person yeah. demanding your investment and you're like, no, I'm already invested back there. Use the words that I know. The question the question I just ask for them then is like, why did you choose to take this route and not another? And I actually think Chapman has a really good answer, which is like Chapman is writing for STEM educated and STEM inclined people uh-huh. who you know, either have read or haven't read, but like if they have read, they kind of dismissed presumably some of these sort of fuzzier thinkers. Um, and so I, I right. think I think there's a lot of merit there. Well, um, there's not only two kinds of people like humanities and human. There's not just like humanities who have read Heidegger and STEM people. Like, uh, yes, yeah. no, I would I would agree. I'm just using I'm just using Chapman's distinction. I mean, Chapman is I yeah. think more inclined to sort of draw the line pretty clearly between the two. But yeah, of course, you can know a little bit of math and be an English That's major like, and vice versa. Super into like results, right? I want like mm-hmm. insight, insight, fire hose. Yep. Like the more packed and the more relevant for me, yep. uh, the better. Like very practical. Maybe I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know, whether you know, Derrida has expressed this very much better in his work that I haven't read, uh, and 
you know, and Catman is failing to mention all of that, all of that, or, you know, whether we're wasting our time reading this when we should be going to the primary source. Uh, for me, the discussion is like, I'm reading this now and it's insightful. Yep. And I've kind of gone through different stages in my life of like forcing myself into like a, uh, the right way to learn about philosophy yep. and social sciences or whatever. I'm like, I need to go in this. And I made a spreadsheet. I need to go in this order. And, and like, and it's just failed completely. Right. So I've had like a painful experience with right. that part. Maybe you had a great experience. Well, no, of like, no, I think, I think that touches on like the last point that I want to bring up. Um, that's sort of just more of an area of exploration. So I don't think we'll like net out anywhere, but I wanted to bring it up, which was sort of, um, yeah, like, so what? Or to what end, right? And so I think, um, I think actually Chapman does a great job of being, like, pretty practical, right? And so, and I think, you know, you'll read other, I actually think Keegan, the guy who he borrows from heavily, is also very practical yeah. and has sort of, like, professional evolution and sort of self-help-ish type books of sort of how do we, how do we advance, right? And, and you know, Chapman did the same with a sort of bridge to five. Um, and it, it was, it's sort of interesting because, so, back up a little bit at first when i read this thing about stages you know and five percent of people reach stage five um you know it it, it turned me off and i remember thinking like you know five percent is an interesting number because i don't know if you know like the five percent nation um which is like a oh, what is that? it, that's like a fringe belief um it's an is like an islam thing created in like the 60s in new york so like there's like a lot of like like, I don't know, modern cults that came out of New York and in the U S um, like African American, uh, Muslim belief. Um, and so 5% nation, which I, I learned through the Wu-Tang clan cause the Wu-Tang clan like, like <laughs> dabbled in it in like the nineties. Um, basically 85% of the world are like sheeple. Um, 10% of the world are like, see the truth and know the truth about God and themselves, but like deceive the sheeple. Um, and then 5% of the world are knowing the truth and trying to like teach the sheeple. And so they, they, they say that they belong to the 5%. Um, so it's like, it's sort of like this chosen. That's a lot of, that's, that's a lot of people though. 5%. Of all people are like super enlightened and supposedly. I think so. Others. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, how many millions is that? I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> join join the nation of Islam and uh, check them out. I, I I think um, I mean that that itself isn't necessarily like a deal breaker part of their belief system. I think, for instance, like white people are automatically disqualified from from being five percent. <laughs> I don't know. You you have to check it out. I'm, I'm not gonna do it justice. But like they're 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 militant and. Um, but that's interesting. No, it's, it's interesting. It's, I guess I guess it's a fair point. It's a fairly sunny outlook if you think five percent are sort of tuned into the truth and actively seeking to teach other people about it. Yeah, and and if uh, if five percent is stage five, that also that's what you know hundreds of millions of people that sure. are sure willing to, you know enlightened and willing to right. handle you know different systems. And so so I was just thinking about like this sort of um, the the word that I came up with which is, you know, 
uh, also discussing where it is sort of like this anti-egalitarianism, right? So if egalitarianism is sort of the belief that people are equal and should be equal, then anti-egalitarianism is sort of the insistence that um, either there are either stages or divisions or whatever. I mean, there are superior people and inferior people. Um, right. And I was just thinking like, it's so interesting. That must be one of the most taboo subjects in like culture today. <laughs> like just that claim. Um, you know, I think we, we really lean toward the belief that like, everyone would be equal if we sort of all had a fair shake. And so I just sort of explored that a little bit. Like it's interesting to think about because it's, it's sort of almost obviously not true because for, for instance, you and I can sort of balk at the idea, well, 10% of people are like superior. That sounds terrible. Um, but like we would both probably agree that they're geniuses, right? Like, Oh yeah, of, well, of course every, every once in a while a genius is born. Um, but then like, that's just another way of saying like, okay, well maybe 1% of people are, superior and then like once you kind of acknowledge that then there's no reason not to sort of say well then there's a second tier of 10 percent of people or you know stage five thinkers anyway like so but i don't want to you know it's it's it's, it's uh <laughs> it's dangerous to like mix up the equality right like right. i think that how would i structure the model that, that i believe in like every individual is a for should be afforded the same rights and potential and like the oh, same well, boundaries sure, and the sure, same sure. every all that stuff, but like in the in the shake of the you know protein powder, the what's going to come out varies, right? I right. think that's. I mean, does anyone disagree that like some people are, have a uh, just? I, think, I don't know. I think if hard dots faster, if hard pressed, people will acknowledge it, but I think no one would want to like actively talk about it, and so I think. What, what here's sort of the, the thought process that was interesting for me was at first I sort of balked at this idea of 5% of people are special. Um, then I sort of admired it because it was sort of so taboo. Um, and you know, I've been reading this Gombrovich guy on the side um, and he's like the same way where he's like, some people are like more like horses than they are like me. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, so it's sort of, sort of this Nietzschean or Ayn Rand kind of like Ubermensch type thing. Um, right. So for a minute, then I sort of admired Chapman, but then I kind of actually think what's interesting is if you really open your mind to the fact that some people are superior to you um, and others are inferior to you, more interestingly, some people are superior to you. But like, you can, that's, that's a value judgment, right? Well, I never but, said that. I said that like there are people who can like connect the dots when it comes to you know quantum computing faster than I can. Just like there are people that can do whatever I do uh, in a less impactful way. I don't know, but is it no, but is here's, superior? So, so here's, inferior? I, here's, here's the thing that I think is cool. Like embrace the idea that people are inferior to you, but also some people are superior to you. And then ask yourself like, what it, what is it that makes them superior? And I think like a lot of the things that we've, we would say are sort of like, they seem inherent, right? Like, well, they can just connect the dots faster or they have you know, weirdly yeah. amazing knowledge of quantum. But I think Chapman's point would be, no, they, they actually just sort of have this, they're in a further stage of cognitive development and um, you can advance. And so like sort of you come full circle yeah. by by admitting that there is a ladder um, and you're not on the highest rung, um, there are people below you and people above you. Once you sort of swallow that pill, um, you can begin the honest work of like saying, well, okay, how do I, how do I climb the ladder? Um, and I think yeah. it's it's interesting because it's not like religion where all you have to do is sort of have a belief or have a bloodline. 
Um, you know, you're not exactly chosen people. It's actually something extremely inherent. It's like, no, no, you are, you're a better person than me. Cause I think that's what, that's what this cognitive development stuff is. It's like, just like a, a toddler who can figure out cause and effect is a better, it's like a better person than you know, a toddler <laughs> who's not that far along. Um, so too oh are God. you, so too are you far, farther along if you have like, if you're equipped with mm-hmm. sort of the right problem solving um, machinery. Yeah. But I think I think the biggest. But I mean, I totally then I then I totally agree, um, because then maybe we're talking about different things. And there's connect the dots speed, which maybe you know is a different kind of difference than the one we're talking about, right? Like, there, you will never run as fast as an uh, Olympic runner, right? No matter how much you train, things like that, which is like, okay, that's fine. Um, but I do think a couple of things about improvement is like at some point in, in my life at least I got really into like improving. Right. And and that's like my favorite thing. Right. So I'll just read all these things, try and I have like a quote and insights log where I write things down, keep them and reread them <laughs> months later and try to not forget ideas that are that are important to me and have systems and little spreadsheets. Some of them work, some of them fail where I uh, really try to improve. And I can go into all that stuff, um, but I I won't. But the big meta insight there is that it's super powerful. You can, I think, do a lot more than, than you can imagine you can do before you get into one of those systems, one of these improvement cycles right and part of it is that before you uh advance like let me try and make this concrete so it doesn't turn into like completely vague things um you can't even imagine the kinds of things you can achieve or the kinds of thoughts or structures you can think of before you reach the level that allows you to imagine the next point right like the, the next point depends on the point that you're at and that is completely different from where you were before. Right. It's like people who I was reading some, some guy was like shitting on five year plans. Cause like only losers make five year plans because you make a five year plan. Your aspiration should be like a year later. You should be so much awesomer than your one year self from self from a year ago that your five year plan would look ridiculous. Right. Like, Oh, that's all I thought I was going to do. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've read that what people in sort of higher functioning organizations do is they write a five-year plan every year. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. Like, I think it's, it, it makes sense to look five years out and at the same time, like, revise it um, because where you are in a yeah. year is hopefully... Exactly. And then even the way I approach things, like, I, the way I approach a problem now, like, it's so informed by, like, mentors I've had and ways of thinking that I've discovered and, like, scars and pain and ways that I've approached problems before that failed me and I would never do that again an experience I guess right you're like and I can I couldn't imagine thinking this way three years ago right, right. it's like a, a grizzled like uh you know it's like the beginning of gladiator where like <laughs> you know Russell Crowe is walking down the thing and all his sub generals I don't know if this happened in the scene but it sounds right all his like sub commanders are like why don't you uh, flank them and the other guy is like why don't you go down the middle and, and he has like he clearly he's seen it all right right like back in you know in 
the Germanic campaign, that didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. And like, imagine if you were Russell Crowe from five years ago planning that battle. Uh, I, this, I, didn't need to, I didn't need this analogy. I think it was clear. But, uh, I think the, the, the whole point is that uh, I do agree in improvement in some things. Yeah. Maybe that's all I was trying to say. Well, look, said, said like a true stage five thinker, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that you've eclipsed me uh, on the stage growth. I think, I think that, um, I don't know, man, but you've, but I, but then I'm, then I'm, then I'm, uh, worried about maybe I'm evaluating myself incorrectly because you've, you've read more of the primary content, which all of this is based on. So I think you're like the authority. Well, no, no, no. So, no, no. So I, let me, let me clarify one thing and then, and then we should wrap cause we're at the hour. Um, Here's why I bring up the primary stuff. It's not because it's like, oh, Wittgenstein said it better um, or anything like that. Uh, it's it's just – it's almost like an efficiency question, right? So it's like Wikipedia has like consider merging these articles. Like the whole point is let's not have so many separate threads going on. And so I'm always it's, – it's an efficiency question. I'm always interested in like do we need this or can we just stick yeah. this in – uh, like a very well discussed area, and I, and I can yeah. I completely understand the reasons why uh, a Chapman would say, yeah, actually this is necessary because I'm speaking to a different audience. So so that's that's one aspect of me bringing up primary sources is like just to gut check and to say like, do we really need all these new words? And then the other reason I bring up primary sources is because, <laughs> and this is uh, not that important, but I I'll just raise it like. He Chapman sort of has a tendency to, as far as I can tell, sort of like shit on postmodern literature, um, like while acknowledging it's right, saying it's like really poorly written and all this other stuff. And I think like there's more to postmodern lit than maybe he gives credit to. And, and again, like I haven't read the whole book, so you know maybe there are clarifying essays somewhere. But I actually think like contained within good postmodern lit um, are all the stages, right? And so, I mean, going back to the touch points, like. Touch points for me have always been literature. So like I associate Borges, for instance, as like a very stage four writer. You know, like for me, when I was reading Borges, I was very interested in like structuralism and like kind of truth. Like, yeah, like, you know, if we could just get the right vocabulary, like we could talk about anything. You know, this was sort of like a yeah. Esperanto phase, et cetera. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, then and I, it would be the same, right? And it would be the same truth for everybody. Right. Everybody who's right. worked on would arrive at the same core like X. But, you know, in a different mindset, you can read Borges and, and locate like uh, a lot of his sort of playful, like, no, we're obviously never going to get there things, right? And sort of like the recursions yeah. and almost sort of nightmare stuff that he does sometimes. Um, and then sometimes he's like incredibly playful. Um, you know, same thing with like a like a Vonnegut. Like I found Vonnegut to be very depressing. Like to me, he's like a 4.5 pure nihilist. But I think other people love yeah. Vonnegut and are like, no, like not at all. Um and so, like, I, I think literature is – I think it's a mistake to try to put genres of literature in, like, a particular stage because I think literature at its best sort of evokes um, all sorts of different lines of thinking. And, and therefore, like, kind of the best literature is always sort of stage five or at least is sort of like a stage five training ground in the sense that, like, you're going to read something. You're going to read a text multiple ways um, and it sort of seems like almost like a gymnasium for, for thought. So that's. I mean, the thing is, is, can you lump all the insights of postmodernism, poststructuralism, into just saying postmodernism, poststructuralism? When, like, 
the definition of these thing of these of these uh, ways of thought is like deconstructing existing systems and each like each path down postmodern writing, as far as I understand, is 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 kind of different, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't. Or is it like? I don't know exactly who he's going after. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, I do think, I do think, and I mentioned this in the last podcast and then, and then we'll wrap. Um, I do think that there is a valid point around like pedagogy, which is sort of that like postmodern is postmodern thought and, and writing is so taught in undergrad um, that I do think we've sort of leapt past stage four, right? Like I think freshmen in school who are getting taught Derrida or whoever, like, kind of get to skip like the serious quest right. for truth. Um, and so I think it's easy or to see people. I mean, are they like they pretend to do or they. Right. Right. And so you get sort of like, you sort of get like a pseudo understanding of, of sort of mm-hmm. this continuum. Um, and I, I, get, I definitely think that's problematic. And so I, I, I get, and I, I sympathize with sort of the quest to make sure that we make all the stops um, that the train is scheduled to make because if we don't make uh, the right stops, then getting all the way to the end is impossible. Um, so even even if I disagree with like everything else, like the fact that there are stops and the fact that it's linear, um, I do think you have to like cross off certain boxes before you can kind of make other realizations. And that's you know that's something that you talked about, which was sort of just improvement, right? And like five year plan. It's like you know you make a five year plan based on where you're at, and then you have these aha moments that that can change everything. All right, dude, we should, uh, we should wrap up. This was, this was good. We'll have to have you on again soon. Um, definitely, uh, at the latest, yeah. by the time the, the Olympics wrap up so we can do a postmortem. Yeah, definitely. we'll do Olympics, uh, some new subject, I hope. And then, uh, a, a constant track of stage <laughs> and, uh, point and stage regression, uh, stage regression Man, or stage, stage meaning two. adoption. Is uh, like a check-in. Yeah. All right, man. Sounds Hopefully good. Hopefully, I read the whole thing. All right, awesome. Cool. See you later. Cool. Well, um, thank you for joining. Uh, this was the Barcast, and see you again soon.